0: right now on fast ticking down a big tech we are on the clock for earnings from alphabet microsoft meta snap and much more after a hot start to the year many in the sector suffering through a sluggish summer will earnings revive this run we'll debate that plus giving the bird well the bird elon musk rebranding twitter and calling it x part of his plan to make the social media platform an everything app will it work will regulators allow it we'll break that down And later, one of our traders talking the tape on a steel stock from Korea that is actually a way to play the global EV trade inside the monster move in Pasco coming up. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the NASDAQ Market Site on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We start off with the countdown to big tech earnings. Alphabet and Microsoft headline the Q2 kickoff tomorrow with Meta and Intel quickly following suit. Apple and Amazon on the docket next week. The reports come as the group's meteoric start to the year seems to be losing some steam. The stocks led by monster gains in Meta in the first half are flat or even down so far in the month of July. And they're far lagging the broader market this month. So will this quarter's report reignite the rally for big tech well we, could we see more rotation out of these names and that's what we've been talking about a broadening we saw it even today financials were the big gainers in today's session small caps even did better than the broader market well first we have to welcome Tim back of course're sailing <laughs> Which we'll talk it takes about, me away. yeah yeah
1: not long Thank you. enough no, I'm kidding great it's to be shown <laughs> It's actually an encouraging sign that there's obviously some rotation. We've talked about the – I'm not pretending I'm bullish. I'm not. But the fact that the rally is broadening out is a good sign. These high-growth valuation names should pull back a bit, and you should see a rotation in other things. Energy has been incredible over the last couple of weeks under the radar, so I do think this is a good sign. However, valuations in a lot of these names you mentioned Microsoft suggest they better knock the cover off the ball and say AI about 75 times for them to continue this rally because – For Microsoft specifically, at 31 times next year's numbers, it's getting to levels we haven't seen in quite some time.
0: I mean, Microsoft has really let out a lot of details, as, or as many as one could expect at this point, about the AI product in terms of the monthly fee, Fees and also and what they expect from yeah. the services side of things. So really
2: interesting. I was talking to a Fast Money friend Gene Munster mm. from yeah. Deepwater yes. earlier today, he and he made a great point to me. He's like, listen, they kind of pre-announced. The, pre-announced, yeah. the thing that everybody wants right. to hear is what the pricing is. They're not going to have any visibility about how many seats they're going to sell and, and, and the, you know, any of that details and what it's going to cannibalize. But that was the good News. We were talking about it on the desk last Tuesday. We were all remarked that stock rallied $20 in a straight line, 5%, $130 billion. It's round trip that entire move. So, the way the whole space kind of sold off after that, they gave back some of the gains. We talked about Salesforce announcing pricing. The Apple, it was just the news in Bloomberg or something about how they're scurrying around to get some competitive product. It feels like the fever might have broken. And whatever they say, I, I actually think the more they say AI, the less they say about some of their other businesses. Might be a problem right now.
3: Well, advertising and and some of their uh, you know, some of their media stuff are, are actually rallying. What well, we're hearing about Azure. I'm looking at some of these you know partner survey checks that we've seen from a couple of brokers are all coming in great. This copilot at 30 bucks a month. Street was expecting 10 back to the technicals of the stock, which is I think where Dan's going. And I, I, would, I would agree that mega cap tech has not made new relative highs to the S&P since the end of May. And, and if you look at yeah, Microsoft actually probably of the few actually set a new high last Monday, traded three times normal or at least ADV, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, what you want to look at, twice at the end of the week. So Going into mega-cap tech earnings, we know how important they are to the market from a weighted perspective, but, but you could make an argument it's a, it's a terrible setup. If you think about it, we closed within nine uh, points of an S&P closing high, and yet we haven't been able to make relative new highs. And as I've said, you know, we've, we've kind of front-loaded the news with, with a handful of, of these names. I, I think the other dynamic, though, is this cyclical value stuff. So energy, banks, small caps, industrials, uh, have been working, and they've arguably been working since the day nvidia hit
0: that high yeah karen
4: i agree i mean i feel like the bar is really high and um i agree so that's great they put out that number what really the question is times what times how many how many people sign up for that so we don't know that but uh there's a lot of hype built in and i feel like the rotation is more important than than what's happening in these stocks i think it's going to be really hard for them to to really beat by a lot all that having been said though they hang in okay considering a rotation has sort of started, right? Yep. right? They're not, they're yeah. not terrible, and so that's pretty strong. But I, you know, if I, I wouldn't be putting more money in right here, right? I'm sticking partially with what I have. I sold half my Microsoft. I sold some Apple calls. I had sold some Google calls. I bought them back. Um, I don't know, I feel like it's going to be hard for them to really really knock it out of the
0: park which is the most vulnerable guy in tech land on earth well Nvidia
1: we have in August 23rd I think so we have a ways to go for that so let's back that out for a second but Microsoft since we seemingly are drilling down I mean look at the levels we're trading at now this is where it prior made an all-time high in November of 2021 when a lot of these high valuation stocks did. Obviously, that was when the Fed made their announcement. So armchair technicians like myself will say there's a chance for a double top. I think they're extraordinarily vulnerable in terms of just on evaluation, but what are they gonna say moving forward to Dan's point? And look at the last quarter. It was fine, but by Microsoft standards, it was not what we've seen historically. It was an okay quarter, the bolstered by the fact that obviously AI came into the
2: dialogue, and they got the price momentum behind them, but the quarter wasn't particularly great. Yeah, I think Apple's the most vulnerable, and that's next week, August 3rd, after the close. And just think about what we heard from Taiwan Semi last week. They guided smartphones down 20%, okay, in the quarter. And when you think about just the exposure that Taiwan Semi has to Apple over the weekend, I think the information I report that Apple's having a hard time building the screens for their 15 pros that are expected to come out um, in September, maybe start selling in October, and just think about what that means for supply. Uh, The biggest issue is China. I mean, it really is, if you think about what demand is going to look like, like for Apple products in China at a time where they are scurrying around to diversify production. At some point, you have to think that some nationalistic tendencies towards certain products take hold. And you could say, well, we're not seeing that in other things. Well, we did see it in Tesla. I mean, Tesla lowered prices multiple times over the last six months in China. And there is plenty of competition there. And they haven't really rebounded to the sort of level. So to me, I think Apple runs the risk right now. If you're just looking at a lot of their suppliers, the data is is not particularly great.
0: I mean, the complicating factor here is we've also got a Fed meeting to layer on top of this whole, you know, trying to quarter, you know, quarterback what's going to happen in terms of the earnings, Tim. So how does that factor <laughs> in in your head? I, 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 mean, I, does like, it ma- I mean, does that impact how the stock trades out of earnings?
3: The, no one is discounting the importance of the Fed here. Um, the Fed is the most important ingredient in the markets and has been for a year and a half. But uh, we know we're getting 25 or there's an 83 percent probability we're getting 25. We're probably going to get another 25. We're going to get a lot of Fed rhetoric about you know, higher for longer. Um, but we have hit peak inflation. We have hit peak Fed. Uh, I think we've maybe hit uh, peak rates and there's some debate out there we've seen rates actually come back in the last you know, week and a half or so off of that that rally back uh, but I, you know ultimately I think the Fed is a important ingredient to why mega cap techs have outperformed if the Fed is seemingly less dominant of a theme I think you get to cyclical value and I think you get to small caps and industrials and banks and, and again the banks you know the regional banks today and the, the move they've had over the last couple of days pretty impressive again we can't call uh, the flight, uh, the capital flight, and how quickly it can happen. Everybody's always going to be fearful of that dynamic. But what we're hearing from the regional banks has been extraordinary. And credit's not an issue right now, despite what we all know about commercial real yeah, estate. And
0: up 20% in the past month, the KRE. I mean, it's an extraordinary move. And, and it's no coincidence that's happening on the back of the drawdown in the quote-unquote Magnificent Seven, mm. which is a term I Great song he's by The Clash, by the way. Also, I know Guy loves The Clash. Can I say, I, I, uh, we
1: yeah. got to guess, um, I apologize, but it's Monday, so are you gonna, one of the most overrated bands in the history of, what? of rock no, and roll, The No, he's talking about The Clash.
3: Do you, oh, what, what, how name how the, Tim, just, Tim brought, it brought it up. How did that come up? You said Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven, Sandinista. It's a great song. The Clash are a great band. Aerosmith is overrated. That's for another show. would have never made this connection. Sorry, Mel.
0: But let's say the Fed's still in play, and they are hawkish. Is that Does that mean that tech is still the safe haven?
4: Hmm. i don't think uh or will I, hire i mean i don't think that changes anything a hawkish okay. fed because i feel like that's already baked in it would be yeah. something different from that mm-hmm. super hawkish i don't think they need to do that and i think super dovish i don't think they will do that
0: all right well bonds from microsoft and alphabet have been lagging the underlying equities ahead of earnings our next guest says to get ready for a rally ben emmons is senior portfolio manager head of fixed income at new edge wealth ben Welcome. Um, what have you been noticing in terms of the performance of these bonds and which bonds are we talking about?
5: Yeah, I was looking today at Google bonds and, and Microsoft bonds, and you want to make a comparison in maturity. I right? equities are low maturity assets, so I looked at the long maturity bonds. A yeah, big dislocation now between the price of those bonds and the stock. Now, you could argue this is just rates and this is mathematics of bonds itself. You have a low coupon bond with low maturity, the, the price is low. But if you're trading at 60 cents on the dollar on these, these bonds, high-quality borrower, that seems to me quite dislocated from what you otherwise would expect. And I think if you look at the history of this, it tends to track the stock pretty close. You saw last year the bond price went down with the stock. And this year, I think it deviated really because of this rate environment being sideways. And that's why these prices are sideways. But if we're getting this AI story coming through these stocks, and as you were just talking about, you know, these earnings could be strong. This credit should actually be reflected in there. You should see higher prices on the bonds.
0: So you think that we're going to see a rally off the back of earnings in the equities?
5: I think it could be both, you know, both. yeah, you could actually have uh, like before, like every time we had earnings particularly surprising stocks rallied, but the bonds went along for the ride. So it hasn't happened since March. I think that's an opportunity.
1: So we can pull up maybe the graphics so you can visually see what you're talking about here. I mean, there's clearly a dislocation or between the bond price and the equity prices. So, the naysayer in me would say, OK, the bonds are telling you a story, mm-hmm. and maybe the stocks have gotten ahead of themselves. There's a good example with Microsoft right there, and I'm not suggesting I'm right, but could that be a, a viable outcome?
5: It could be. I mean, you know, if, you, if you look at it that way, guys say, yes, the creditors are seeing a completely different idea. You know, they think that these companies could end, end up in distress even if you think of that type of low pricing. But that seems to me not really, you know, that seems like not really the, the case. I think this is partly a function of people have not really bought into the rate story enough. They probably have not looked at this closely enough, these type of bonds. You should see some level of catch up here, I think. You know, you, you would not think if a company produces that good, strong earnings that the credit lags that much behind in terms of price.
4: So where do you think, that, I mean, to see a bond like a Microsoft 27-year bond with a six handle, that's sort of surprising on the face of it but the yield is only foreign change, where do you think the yield should be? And so what does that translate into the risk reward for the bonds versus what you think the risk reward for the equity might be?
5: Yeah, and, and fair enough that that is lower yielding than where the average uh, investment grade is. I think there's also a part of the story is I think, you know if investment grade is trading at five and a half, six, still reflective of a higher rate environment, uh, these bonds are, are probably better reflective of where the rate environment should be perhaps lower you know so i actually think that if you take these bonds as a macro story if ai pulled us out of this recession somehow or at least out of the thinking of recession um you know these credits should improve so i i think yields should actually go down for that reason from a credit perspective all
0: right ben thank you so much for stopping by good thank to you. see you ben emmons um karen you mm. dabble in bonds i so do is this interesting to you it is
4: interesting. I mean, just the six handles is surprising, yeah. but um, I'm really at heart an equity girl. Right. So um, it's an interesting play on it. Um, but I guess I feel like, all right, I'm an optimist as well. And if you're a bond investor, you're more of a pessimist and hope to get par. Mm-hmm. If you're an equity investor, you hope to get
3: more right I think some of this is a function of duration too yeah. and, and and people just wanting to be at the shorter end of the curve there's no question if you took the magnificent seven guy well. can, can, we, can we can we do that for a second because no. those companies are the best credits <laughs> in the world okay you can make an argument certainly on a debt to GDP they're better than every government in the world yes. so um, I don't feel any concern about owning those credits and what's great about the environment we're in it's a higher yield environment it's also an environment where actually some credits it's a great time to be moving up the credit curve and and to be getting a hold of companies. Somebody like Apple, I mean, part of the reason why their stock could be defensive, even though I agree with Dan's smartphones, we've, we've pulled forward a lot of stuff. Uh, it's not a multiple I care about, but they're buying back stock. Um, right and left, and it's goosing EPS, but ultimately it's credit positive. So, in, in, is it? well in a I think so. I mean, ultimately, I make stock. Well, I think if, if they have the ability to actually improve their earnings by taking shares out of the market, they've assessed where they see growth. You can make an argument; it means it's a company that's not going to grow as fast. In Apple's case, it's not a credit issue. It's, if anything, it's only bolstering the argument. But in a world where we're kind of concerned about the backdrop. All of these companies will be defensive. Their debt should be defensive in a world where I think people would be concerned about the macro.
2: Yeah, and on the buyback thing, I mean, you think about Apple's net cash position and with a $3 trillion market cap, if they're just maintaining the levels of buybacks that they've been doing, they bought back a half a trillion dollars worth of stock since they initiated this buyback, you know, 12 or 11 years ago or something like that. It's just having a much lesser sort of effect. And if you were to have some sort of contraction on their cash flow, let's say there were some real issues with the iPhone cycle or whatever, or some issue in China, a geopolitical issue in China. This company is going to be in a very different situation because they've been massaging that earnings growth for 10 years. If there was ever a meaningful decline in that, I mean, I think you have a situation where maybe that balance sheet doesn't look as fortress as it did for the better part of the last 10 years.
0: Coming up, this housing stock up more than 45% already this year. And one Wall Street firm says there's even more room to run. Should you start building a foundation in this name? The stock and the details next. But first, an earnings alert on Whirlpool. The stock on the move after reporting results down about 2%. We'll dive into the numbers next. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Whirlpool. Shares lower after falling short of revenue estimates in Q2. The company, though, did beat on earnings. Whirlpool's CEO also saying the company is well-positioned to benefit from the housing recovery. Let's get to Steve Kovac for the details.
6: Steve. Hey there, Mel. Yeah, mixed results for Whirlpool's second quarter. Revenue was a slight miss at $4.79 billion versus the $4.82 billion expected, but a solid beat on EPS coming in at $4.21 adjusted versus the $3.76 adjusted. Street was looking for. Whirlpool also reaffirming its guidance for the rest of the year, saying it expects over $19 billion in sales and adjusted earnings up to $18 a share. Shares likely down, though, because the company not raising its EPS guidance despite that solid beat in Q2. Now, behind that guidance, commentary from CEO Mark Bitzer sounding optimistic about the housing market, saying in the company's release, quote, we are well positioned to benefit from housing-driven demand recovery. Bitzer adding, Whirlpool has deals with eight out of 10 of the national top national home builders bill and open sorry and finally company highlighting slightly improving margins sequentially thanks to some cost controls everyone looking at that number too, Melissa
0: all right uh, Steve thanks Steve Kovac. Um a housing-led recovery that implies that the bottom is in
4: which is pretty good
0: <laughs> yeah
4: well they have a broad they have a broad geography that they serve so um, I think of Whirlpool as an underpromise, overdeliver kind of management team, which I really like. That's one of the things I like about them. The other thing is, we'll hear on the call, which isn't to tomorrow morning. This could have very different color. I thought the release was pretty good. That you know they talked about um, running more efficiently. They've been on a savings program for a long time. They've restructured a lot of businesses, so. I like the name. It is hardly a what would be the word, guy, when it's not a overly expensive multiple.
1: Mm, what would be the word? Be? Reasonable.
4: Mm, that wasn't. Not reasonable. That's what, reason, was thinking, that that, what right. you're looking for. I we'll apologize. The, I wasn't in your head. Day. It's only okay. Monday, so maybe by <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> not reasonable was reasonable as did i okay. it works, yeah, it works. I it was decent. not deer or something like that ah okay. fair enough
3: well i'm long whirlpool yes. and and i i like the multiple i mean and again at 18 bucks a share in earnings you can all do that math where we are right now you're trading less than 10 times this is a company that's regaining market share has the ability to actually get uh, products into consumers hands and what we've learned is there may be places where uh, even if people aren't trading houses and we velocity is uh, significantly down in terms of housing there's no question that people are investing in their homes. And I think right now there was a lot of pent-up demand coming out of COVID that were not sales that were lost. I actually think they're getting their market share back.
1: So this was their second quarter. They beat EPS by about, what, 12%, give or take. So the only two quarters left. I can actually do that math, believe it or not. I mean, actually, I went to school. You can't, you, they reaffirmed guidance from $16 to $18. You could drive a truck through that. They should be able to narrow the guidance. And given that beat, you have to tweak it up just a bit. So. This is an underpromise. Clearly, maybe "egregious" was a potentially word, but it's not an egregious valuation. Mm. But this, to me, is a—they is a, got to do better on the guidance, I think. And I think that's probably one of the reasons the stock is lower in the after hours. I'll be, it's
0: not lower by much. I mean, it's now it's down 1.4%. So, um, meantime, sticking the housing trade. Dr. Horton nailing down our call of the day get it. Raymond uh, James upgrading the home builder to outperform following its earnings beat last week. The firm citing a rebound in home building demand and soaring revenues from its rental portfolio as a means toward double digit EPS growth. Analysts upping DR Horton's price target to 160. That's about 23 percent higher than today's close. And specifically in the note, they're talking about how everybody on the street is going to be chasing numbers higher. Everybody's behind on these home builder names, which is crazy given the runs, Guy.
1: Clearly they've been watching Fast Money or maybe they weren't watching it enough because this is exactly what we've been saying for not for months. I mean, I'd say going back to the fall of last year, we said the fundamentals and the valuation made sense and the supply demand imbalances were there and these stocks should perform. I mean, this is late to the dance without question. Doesn't mean they're wrong, but the reversal we saw in a lot of these names on Friday suggests, at least in the short term, that maybe things have turned a bit. I mean, better
2: late than never, I guess, but they're really late with this call. All right. I find many ways to lose money trading stocks, as, as many of viewers know here. But one way I don't do is buying like single digit P.E. stocks, like two that we've just talked about here, because I feel like I learned that lesson long ago. When I'm buying something just for value, I kind of find myself just kind of leaning in that direction. And these things are valuable after they've made huge runs, not as much a whirlpool, but some of these home builders are. And so to me, I think when you think about the supply demand dynamics and, and all the changes that we're just seeing as far as like the way um, work is going here in America, I just don't get the, I mean, I mean, I, I don't get it. So like, how about it, people? Um, I would have thought this has gone too far too fast, but it continues to work. So I'm gonna stay out of this
0: one. How work has changed though, people are at home more. So doesn't it make sense?
2: Maybe, but I mean, maybe maybe all it takes is a good recession to get people back into the office. Maybe it takes like some different demographic shifts a to get people back became. into the big cities. or something. I mean, like, like again, I'm just saying, like I could buy this because I think they're cheap, but the stock's doubled in the last six months or something like that. And it just seems like that's probably not a great deal right here. I,
3: I think part of what's going on here is that their financial services segment's doing really well, and they're able to actually offset some of the, the higher mortgage costs. And at some point, that's going to hurt them. I I think an upgrade of, of Dr. Horton here, and I realize they put it now 20% above the target but it feels like chasing i mean this is i'm not going to say that this analyst was out of the game in fact um my guess is that there's there's been a lot of folks that have been uh, correct on the fundamentals for the home builders which is that these were not companies with difficult balance sheets or difficult valuations that we we're all worried more about the macro um this is a case where i i get it but i i don't know why i'm chasing this one here i think you've had a great run yeah
0: there is a lot more fast money to come here's what's coming up next
7: Open sesame. Investors finding some treasure in Alibaba shares today. Will the good fortune continue? That trade, next. And later, will X mark the spot for Twitter? Elon Musk shedding the iconic Bluebird logo in favor of an all-encompassing new brand. But will the company find its wings as a super app? That debate ahead. You're watching Fast Money. Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money. Alibaba surging more than 4% today, touching its highest level since April. The Chinese tech giant also announcing it will not sell its 33% stake in Ant Group. One of our traders is long the name. It must be the emerging market specialist Mm. on the desk. Mm -hmm. Well,
3: um, so... I think we've had a similar conversation about Alibaba that's not necessarily even unique to EM as an asset class, although I would make an argument international investing is open for business with a weaker dollar, et cetera. Alibaba is the third or the fourth largest pick in the EEM, Emerging Market ETF. The story here is really some of the parts. The story is that uh, Ant Financial is, is certainly gonna be uh, a, a an accretive element if you're doing some of the parts. And we started to do some of those numbers, but the Alicloud spinoffs, when the management said, we have six spinoffs coming your way, it was their way of saying, not only are we looking to create catalysts and we are trying to add value, but they were also saying it's business as usual again for For this company in China with the regulators, with the government. We talk about Joe Tsai uh, now being in a position to kind of oversee this process. You have former management and former difference makers for Alibaba when it was a $300 stock. So valuation here, very interesting. I I, I tweeted today. I I find it silly that people trade Alibaba on headlines uh, that China macro may be getting better this and that because this is not a China macro story except for the government impact. I actually have been buying it for the last month. Um, I sold Half of that position uh, at a legacy position that's underwater, and the in you know, the last three you know months of or sorry, the last month of buying is is doing well. I sold half of that position in an upside call, so you know somewhere around one hundred and five bucks, which is where I think it's not going to get through on this run. I think you have to trade Alibaba, but I approach it as an investor, mm-hmm. and I think the story has changed.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Beijing is really out of the, the way. way then you can really do a comparison in valuations, China Tech versus U.S. Tech, or at least Alibaba's valuation versus some of the tech giants here.
1: And just through that lens, it's extraordinarily yeah. cheap. And we've seen since Halloween of 2020, boo, by the way, which I was just waiting like for that. Of course you were. Uh, you've seen bounces in this stock. And you, the typical bounce is about 35 percent-ish. We're about 23 percent into it. So the math suggests, you know, Tim said 105 You could probably get into low one teens before this thing runs out of steam. So I think he's right to stay long. I think you wait for it to trade into like somewhere between 112 and 115 then
2: you sell it again. Tim, does it bother you? I mean, revenue growth is just ground down for this company. There, there was a time when this was like a fast-growing company, the retail stuff, the exposure to the, you know, to the Chinese consumer, the cloud businesses, the financial stuff. It just—it looks like a, just one of these um, kind of old techie sort of names at this point. It, you know what I mean? Like, it just kind of feels weird. The, the flip side of that, technically, it really looks like it's making like a head and shoulders bottom, and it really looks like it's ready to explode to 150.
3: There, there's, there's competition out there. There are other e-commerce plays, and we've certainly heard from JD.com and other plays I think the, the GMV kind of so their their market volume that trades is been flat to up five to 10 percent over the last couple of years. Uh, the valuation, though, to me is very interesting, except for the fact that I don't think it's a valuation story. I, I do think uh, not like Tencent, which I think is one of the great tech incubators, much like Google was. I think they actually have a lot more valuable pieces. But monetizing these six companies in one is enough to, to off- offset maybe growth that stagnated a bit.
0: Once upon a time, Karen, you were in. Would you get back in? Um, I do own
4: a little bit of K-Web. Okay, Um, And that's really the bet. I think, you know, I understand what you're saying about spitting them off. I guess the sort of outlier risk is that because relations with the U.S., if they if they unravel more, I guess, then would we be ever prevented from owning any Baba like securities? That, that, I guess, would be the real downside scenario. Well, there, ha- there
3: have been those moments where delisting was up there. That was one of the many factors we were facing with this company. Uh, and the fact that they did the Hong Kong listing whenever that was, two and a half, three years ago. Very important moment for the stock where the volume is actually greater than it is on the U.S. This is a global company. Does not I'm not going to tell you if you wipe the U.S. investor off, uh, off the bid. It would be devastating, but um, I don't think it's critical that you have the U.S. investor here.
0: All right, coming up, one of city's top strategists not buying the hot cyclical trade. He will explain next. And getting bullish on EVs, options traders are speeding into the NEO trade. More on that in two.
7: Get your trades to go with the Fast Money Podcast. Catch us anytime, anywhere. Follow today on your favorite podcasting app. We're back right after this.
0: Welcome back to Fast Mind Another solid day for stocks. The Dow posting its 11th straight day of gains, its longest winning streak since February of 2017. The S&P adding 18 points and the Nasdaq ticking slightly higher. Chevron moving higher after announcing preliminary results of top-down assessments. The oil giant also said its CFO would step down next year and waived the mandatory retirement age for its CEO, allowing Mike Wirth to stay in the role for longer. Speaking of earnings, NXP Semiconductor out with results after the bell. The chip company beating in the top and the bottom lines, also raising its outlook. Shares are currently up by just about 1% here. Chevron, anybody got a trade here on Chevron? Guy?
1: Well, Tim's back, but I'm sure he has comments. But, you know, Chevron, $75 billion buyback in the fall, great quarter, and the stock got lambasted because they came under the auspices of the administration. Oh, how can you do that? Blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't be since then it's gotten its footing back this was a great quarter i mean it's a free cash flow story they talked about that valuation is ridiculously compelling. And I think this is going to continue to grind higher along with Exxon, along with ConocoPhillips. And,
3: and that's why you're in now an investor in energy. You're not necessarily a trader as you once were. I think you were a trader coming out of COVID and people didn't really understand. Also, I think it's it's actually important that the oil price has settled in. Um, we're not at $110 oil. I think 75 to 85 is very sustainable. Um, 7.2 billion in return to shareholders, 11% Permian growth. This is the best run integrated oil company in the world.
0: All right, one of City's top strategists prefers big tech and growth over hot cyclical trades. Stuart Kaiser is the firm's head of equity trading strategy. Stuart, welcome back. Um, So you think the tech trade has has legs? Yeah, we do.
8: We do as as a base case. You know, I I think the experience here is that you've got you entered the year with a lot of policy uncertainty, a lot of recession risk. And I think that pushed people into large cap tech and growth. Uh, You talk to most investors, they still have that recessionary outlook somewhere you know, we we have it in the first half of next year. So I think what that means is these moves into cyclicals, though they might last, you know, two to four weeks, um, they they ultimately peter out because the data is probably going to be a headwind for them on a go forward basis.
0: Do you believe that the recessionary fear has is still out there? I mean, is that important or is it just that the perception is out there?
8: I think it's still there. I mean, if you talk to investors, it's still somewhere in their forecast period. And, you know, if you're at a long only and your economist comes to you and says there's a recession in the next four quarters, you're going to invest accordingly to that. If you look at the distribution of mutual fund betas, for instance, it's very, very wide. You still have some that are sort of bought into this defensive recessionary bit. And you have some that are in the FOMO camp that are kind of being pulled up. So I think that what tells you is that there's still an underlying kind of negativity or conservatism in the market that can be scared out of it.
0: We talked for like the first 15, 16, 17 minutes of the show. About how some of these big cap tech names are just overvalued at this point in the trade, and, and so how do you how do you sort of judge the risk reward at this point? Even if you believe the tech trade is going to con- continue and have a little bit of legs, I mean the downside seems to be great if if the Fed indicates that you know the, the cyclical trade is is on.
8: Look, I, I think you, you you have the right term there. It's risk reward. You know, valuation is something that really impacts your investment over a much longer you know time horizon, but it does create risk reward. Obviously the risk reward in tech is not as good as it was even a month ago at valuation at these levels, but we always view valuation as potential energy, and you need something to release that potential energy, whether it's cheap or whether it's expensive. So in this case, you know, what would get people out of tech, it would probably be a significant drop in recession odds and a reacceleration in economic growth. As I said, you know, we think there's a limiter on that, at least you know, for the next three to six months.
3: Stuart, how about the, the parts of the market that would really actually be most on pressure if we are in a recession. I think you can make an argument that mega cap tech could be defensive, discretionary, consumer discretionary, some places where you've had people like a Nike or Lululemon where there's been such, you know, an extraordinary, I, I'm actually short Nike, so I'm, I'm talking book on this one. But I, I just think of the one part of the market that, that really um, looks most vulnerable. It's probably right there.
8: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, if you think what's going to get us into a recession from here, we've already had a significant slowdown in the industrial side of the economy, IP, ISM, things of that nature, right? So to get you into a recession, it probably needs to come from employment and the consumption side of the economy. So I would agree, anything that's consumer spending, especially discretionary spending facing, is what you need to kind of be worried about most from our perspective. Yeah
1: valuation concerning whatsoever in terms just the broader market you know markets probably trading close to twenty times next year's numbers assuming those earnings numbers come in does that concern you at all? Because historically, I mean, 17, 17 and a half is where we should be.
8: As I mentioned, yeah, risk reward wise, yeah. I mean, the risk reward profile of the market isn't as good here as it was, you know, one to three months ago. But is is the valuation being there a reason to be, you know, selling the market? I would say not necessarily. until you see the catalyst or the, or the data that should get you out of that. So am I an aggressive buyer at these valuations or for a longer term holding period? No, I'd probably be careful and kind of leg my way in. But it's not something that's gonna make me get out of the market um, from these levels personally.
4: So Stuart, what are you thinking about where the Fed is, and are they relevant at all anymore into this part of the the tech part of the market since I, we're near I
8: mean, the end? They're definitely relevant, but even if we look at options pricing, markets are pricing about a one percent move between last Friday and the Fed day. That's the smallest Fed-related options move we've had since November of 2021, which is when we first started talking about eventually stopping QE. Right. So you're going, you know, way back in time. It matters. You know, you know. I think to all y'all's point. It, What is the Fed going to do to scare you out of the market at this point, right? I think the market's expecting a hike in July, probably a skip in September, leave some residual odds of a potential another hike in November. If we come out of it with that being the outcome, I think that's neutral to modestly positive for the market. If the Fed tries to skew very hawkish and starts to talk about like long-term neutral being structurally higher, I mean, there are ways they can impact the market. But I think the, the base case going in is it's going to be kind of a neutral to modestly positive event in our view.
0: So, Stuart, I have to ask you this, and I know this is a different part of the House, um, but Citi's view is 4,000 on the S&P 500. Some viewers at home are probably like, Stuart, he doesn't sound like he, he's you know hair on fire or anything like that. But do you see a scenario, I mean, are you trading for a scenario in which the S&P has a, you know, decline of 500 points by year end. Look,
8: I, I think to get there, the bear case is clearly linked to earnings, right? So you would either need to see earnings significantly decelerate in the second half of the year or something to take 2024 numbers, you know, significantly lower. So I think it, it's really an earnings recession that people were worried about. And, you know, worried about two, our house, house views about $217 EPS for the second half. Um, you know, I think if you were there or lower, then then you could get some pressure on the markets. So, yeah, it has to do with what is the second half print mm-hmm. and does whatever is going on in the second half have a meaningful impact on 2024. So I think that's probably how you'd have to get there from All right.
0: here. Stuart, thank you. Thank you. Stuart Kaiser City. Uh, Guy, what do you think?
1: Listen, 4000 is reasonable, I think. I think even the most ardent bulls would suggest, you know what, we actually hope for a bit of a pullback here to get us on more stable footing, I would think, because in my view, With each passing day, the higher we go, the more likely is things gonna get a lot nastier than people realize. So I'm more in the four thousand camp than clearly the runaway bull camp.
2: Yeah, and guys, magnificent seven. I mean, they make oh, up stop. They twenty-six percent of I the S and P five hundred. They've rallied twenty-two percent in the last three for months. One second, yeah, you, you actually like that
0: term, or do you? Are you just saying it to just get up in our grills? Yeah,
2: that. That's <laughs> a <ladder>. that, that, <laughs> It was so good. <laughs> All right, fine. Um No, but I mean, they make up twenty-six percent of the weight of the S and P five hundred. When you think about the contribution they are to earnings, will never be income this income high again. again. No, I, it, I it, think it, we peaked. That's right. There's
3: no question. There's, I mean, and and it's it's part of this cyclical value, tri- sorry, this, this, what are we calling this, uh, whatever the, what? well, uh, financials, small caps, industrials, and, and this, is, this is where you're finding some relative value, and I think that's not because the mega cap tech stocks are expensive, it's because these companies are actually interesting here.
2: Well, right. And I guess my point is, like, X, if you were to do the equal weight, if you look at where the rest of the stuff is trading, it trades at a pretty reasonable valuation. We're trading 19 and a half times forward earnings. That's per fact set versus, I think, the five-year average is about 18 and a quarter and the 10-year average is about 17 and a half or so. And you just, if you strip out those seven, though, and you look at the performance and you look at basically how much is appreciated just on multiple expansion in the middle of a bubble, make no mistake about it, we are in a sentiment bubble in and around AI. And if these earnings earnings reports and the guidance they give don't articulate the sort of uh, commercialization of some of these products, you're going to see some analysts start to take down their numbers because I don't think you're going to see a contribution, a meaningful contribution that justifies these valuations until at least mid next year or the back half of next year. They are magnificent, though.
4: Uh, Are they? On what basis? Just
2: <laughs> I just wanted to.
4: Say just and still, tell uh, Dan it doesn't bother you. He'll stop doing it. The fact exactly. that
3: you just told me
7: on national <laughs> TV, it's
0: amazing. She had my back. No, that was it,
1: Mel having my back. And stop. just because we're doing this now.
0: <laughs> what?
2: Doing You what? know, four out of seven of that seven got whacked in the movie. Let's wiggity, just Wiggity whacked. But wait, hold on. <laughs> we have some credibility on this front. We successfully, this show, changed
0: Fang to MAGA. You remember that? Like to think that you did that. <laughs> we, yeah. we did do that. Okay, I'm going to break. Coming <laughs> up, X marks the spot inside Elon Musk's Twitter rebrand and the company's blockbuster promise to be the AI-powered everything app. Can it live up to the excitement? The first Pasco Pops will take you inside the South Korean steelmaker's best day in years and a 92 billion dollar plan to transform the industrial giant more fast money into. Welcome back to Fast Money. Pasco shares rising as much as 18 percent, closing out their best day since 2020 after the South Korean industrial giant posted strong quarterly profits, the company also announcing it would invest $92 billion into EV battery technology through 2030. The stock is now up nearly 60 percent in July and trading at levels not seen since 2010. Of course, Tim was the one who flagged this.
3: Yeah, and it's probably the last time we were talking about this stock on the show, <laughs> 2010, and it was, you know, might have been trading the globe. This is this is definitely, like, one of the biggest steel companies in the world. You're not trading Pasco Pascal on, on the back of the numbers that they came out that actually were pretty decent and certainly at the, at the top end of, of the earnings range and the margin range. But this is about lithium development and turning into an EV battery play. And the premium valuation is clearly far ahead of where anyone would be priced a steel company. In fact, I, I see it somewhere at these levels around 18 times, which is crazy for a steel company. So um, I think it is best of breed in terms of a global steel company. And it just tells you where investors are chasing this trade. Be careful on this one.
0: All right. Sticking with the EV trade, shares of NIO surging nearly 11 percent as China pledged to support clean energy initiatives. And option traders are betting that the gains could keep coming. Mike Coast got the action. Hey, Mike.
1: Uh, NEO traded more than two times its average daily options volume calls outpacing puts by more than three to one. That made it the sixth busiest single stock option today. The busiest contract were the weekly 12 strike calls. We saw over 42,000 of those trade. Uh, those were trading for an average of 30 cents. We also saw big purchases of the 11 and a half strike calls in this one. Those traders are betting that it has further upside.
0: Similar action uh, across this uh, space, Mike?
1: Yeah, we did. We, you know, we saw some in the lithium uh, battery companies also, the metals and mining. And of course, Tesla was number two. It was edged out by AMC on uh, obviously the Delaware Chancery Court News. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is always a busy space and it was again today.
0: All right. Uh, Mike thank you. Uh, Dan, you're flagging this trade. And, and speaking of this trade, people identify you with Tesla. You're out, right?
2: Yeah, I am out. I mean, listen, I've had a bad year trading Tesla. I had a good year trading Tesla last year. I put a position on. It was kind of a last-ditch effort into the earnings print. Got that 10% move. Covered it on Friday after two down days. It is interesting to see how quickly this stock made back a bit of those losses. And I think that again, I'll, I'll just stick by the story. This is. The fundamentals are not getting better here. To buy the stock here at this valuation, you have to believe in all the other stuff that, that Elon was talking about. And I listened to that call. And I got to tell you, if you're buying this stock after listening to him speak on that call, you believe in stuff that most other people who invest in stocks in the stock market don't believe in, uh, the way they think about managements and the stuff. And I know that's a big part of it. But the fundamentals are getting worse here quarter over quarter. And the margins aren't really expected to get better. And they keep pushing it out. So to me, I don't find it particularly interesting. But I have no position right now.
0: For more options action, tune into the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, Elon Musk flipping the bird. Two mm. old oh, logo. Wow. But will the new umbrella Probably brand X sort of heights that Twitter couldn't? We'll debate that next. More fast money's right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Twitter's iconic bluebird has flown the coop. Elon Musk delivering on his promise to rebrand the platform as X in hopes of turning the social media site into what he calls an everything app and projecting the new logo on the site side of Twitter headquarters overnight. CEO Linda Yaccarino tweeting on Sunday, do we still call it tweeting? That X will be a, quote, global marketplace for ideas, goods, services and opportunities, including everything from videos to messaging to banking. But while super apps like China's WeChat have found massive success internationally, can X achieve a similar result in the United States, particularly since there is such a move by the FTC and other organizations within the government that are against big tech getting any bigger? Dan,
2: One word answer: No. I mean, they've not <laughs> demonstrated any ability to do any of that. Uh, and, and granted, there is a new company, there's a new management, and yeah. and, and and the like here. But again, if this is going to be a service-based app, you know who's building a super app? Look over there at Facebook and I'm not or the Meta. Okay, and I'm not telling you I'm not a Zuckerberg fan or anything like that. But they have about three and a half. Billion, do- billion monthly active users. If you think of Messenger, they have a billion. WhatsApp, they have two billion. Reels, they have over a billion. Instagram, a billion and a half. Um, you know, the Instagram, uh, You know, I mean, like, just think about that. So they're building all of these different apps. I just think their ability to catch up is not great. They're not being uh, successful in subscriptions, and advertisers have left. So to me, the answer is no. Well, it's funny. We still call searching Googling, and the company's called Alphabet. I don't really love that name
3: change either. And, and uh, But the intrinsic value of Twitter here to me is there. I mean, there's no question that that I think it's still – I would like to see some changes. I think there are going to be some changes. But I, I at this point – um, changing the name is not going to change the company I don't think the company's name and branding was the issue I mean the issue for investors for a long time was really about monetizing uh, and finding products you have the engagement you have the audience and and to me in the news flow and in real time Twitter still has that I think things uh, since they removed uh, the ability to actually you know verify people and what it's turned turn to chaos and I think they can they can clean that up but
0: but changing it to X implies that they want to be measured by other metrics and not just monetizing its users right I mean moving it to X means we want to be maybe a payment platform and by the way Elon Musk no, knows payments right we, we kind of forget about that part of the story but
2: well he was fired from PayPal
0: he co-founded it
2: he didn't co-found it they bought his company and then they fired him
0: okay
7: it's
1: aspirational, <laughs> clearly. I mean, I think Tim, I'm not, I don't want, to Tim's point, though, if they'd focus, sort of stick to their knitting, I mean, it's an extraordinarily valuable property just in terms of what it could be or should be to try to be a super app and compete with a Facebook who has a huge head start in this. I don't know. I, I think it's aspirational. Yeah, 2 billion. I think they're probably, you know, it's a t- tremendous headwinds going forward.
0: All right. Up next, we got your final trade. trade let's go around the horn tim the clash um we no
3: chevron <laughs> chevron clearly gave numbers cash flow definitely outperforming and i think they're going to continue to buy back as much debt as they can it's an investment it's not a trade
0: karen
4: finerman did you forget your final trade for a second there? <laughs> uh, we know each
3: other well on this dinner right. table, don't we? <laughs> no, no. Uh, sort of. Okay. Sort
4: of. Uh, OIH is mine along the same the same lines as uh, Guy and Tim. I like the energy trade. I like OIH here.
0: Dan. Yeah,
2: in a month and a half, AutoNation went from 140 to 180, and now it's on its way back to 140. I think it's a pie down there with a 14 handle on it. In
1: 1982, October, if memory serves, I went to a misty Shea Stadium to see The Who. I didn't go there to see David Johansson, and I clearly didn't oh, go there to see The Clash, who, by the way, Melms, got booed off the stage. If you don't believe me, Google it or listen to Tim you. Seymour, who was also there. I One of the most there. overrated bands of all time. The guy and
3: all his thug friends from Croton clearly in their <laughs> hoodies were, anyway. Valero, Melms.
0: Welcome back, Tim. Thank Welcome you. back, Good Tim. Thanks for watching fast. Mad Money. at Tim Kramer starts right now. warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit CNBC.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer.